This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. We begin today with a welcome to the fine folks of Hartford, Connecticut, listening on WTIC up there, our latest affiliate covering Connecticut and Southern Massachusetts. It's a fantastic station and delighted to be a part of it. Uh, I, You can call in here at 877-973-7425. If you want to figure out who the heck is this guy on our radio station, if you text my name, Eric, it's E-R-I-C-K is how you spell it, E-R-I-C-K, text that to 33777. You can follow me around social media, Instagram in particular is where I do all my cooking. Uh, You can get the live stream, the show notes, all that. Welcome aboard, folks. Uh, And happy Juneteenth to all of you, the holiday for white people to feel like they care. I walked into my office today. There's nobody around. I was like, what's going on? Somebody says, well, it's Juneteenth. I said, oh, I forgot that was now a holiday. And 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 they rushed to make sure that everybody had the day off. And just now, listen, I have friends who are convinced Juneteenth is a backdoor progressive conspiracy to undermine the 4th of July. Only if you let them. And enjoy your day off stewing over that. <laughs> Listen, uh, I I won't mince words here. I, I have I was an advocate well before it was a federal holiday for Juneteenth to be a federal holiday. For those of you who don't appreciate or understand what it is, is there were still after the Civil War slaves in pockets of the country. And it took a very long time for notice of the Emancipation Proclamation to make it all the way to Galveston, Texas. And it did. On June 19th, well after the war was over, and June 19th has become Juneteenth, and it was a local celebration in Galveston. It became a state holiday in Texas. Uh, It is another invention of Texans that has spread across the nation, and now, as of last year, uh, the latest federal holiday. The last one was Martin Luther King Jr. Day on uh, in 1983. They adopted it. I don't have a problem with Juneteenth being a holiday. It's, it's a significant milestone celebrating the reunion of this nation and the abolition of slavery. Uh, we have a, a Independence Day celebrating the union and Juneteenth celebrating their reunion. 
I'm perfectly fine with both of them. But I will say, if we're brutally honest about it being a federal holiday, what it really is about is all the white folks in Washington and Congress after George Floyd wanting to say, we get it, message we care, and they made it a holiday. They waited, you will note, Democrats did until Joe Biden became president to sign it into law. They, they dragged their feet on it so Trump wouldn't be the one to sign it into law. They wanted Biden to have it. There was political machination there. That is a true fact. They waited. They dragged it out. Republicans were willing to do it. Trump was willing to sign it into law. They waited until Joe Biden could be the one to sign it into law, and it's perfectly fine. I don't care. It's just one of those things where in Congress, all the white folks want you to know they care and they've done something meaningful, which is give you a day off, and, and you're supposed to be grateful to them. Now, I pivot from Juneteenth to the thing Democrats clearly fear in America when it comes to race and race relations, and that would be a senator from the state of South Carolina. So provocative is Senator Tim Scott's message about America— that we are not perfect, but we always strive to be a more perfect union, that Barack Obama has gotten into the act and gone after Tim Scott, claiming that Tim Scott is too dismissive of race and racism in the United States of America. Tim Scott, by the way, put out this tweet a short time ago. On June 19, 1865, the last of the slaves were freed in America. We honor Juneteenth not to dwell on our original sin as a nation, but to showcase how far we've come. We can't forget the lessons of our past, but we must always continue to strive towards a more perfect union. He's right. I want to put this in perspective for you. Barack Obama is the 44th president of the United States. He is the son of a white woman from Kansas and an immigrant from Africa. His mother gave birth to him in Hawaii, the only president ever elected to be born outside the 48th continental United States. There's your Jeopardy trivia question. Put that in the back of your mind. When he was a small child, he moved to Indonesia to be with his stepfather. And yes, parallels. I was born in rural Louisiana. When I was five, we moved to Dubai. When Barack Obama was five, his family moved to Indonesia. And then he returned to Hawaii, and he went to a prestigious, notable private school, got a scholarship. His grandparents helped cover the costs, went to a private school in Hawaii. Tim Scott, on the other hand, grew up in the heart of the Confederacy, Charleston, South Carolina. He was raised in poverty. And on both sides of his family were descendants of slaves. 
Barack Obama, descended from Irish settlers on his mother's side and Kenyans on his father's side, Tim Scott is the descendant of slaves on both sides of his family. And I think it's really notable. Both Barack Obama and Tim Scott are from broken homes. Their parents were divorced early, both of them raised on their mother's side. But one of them got to travel internationally as a child and go to a fancy private school in Hawaii. The other grew up dirt poor in South Carolina going to a public school. And the one who grew up traveling the world with rich grandparents who paid for his private school wants to lecture the descendant of slaves about race and racism in the United States of America. They are scared to death of Tim Scott. They are scared to death of him because Tim Scott's message is about opportunity and not seeing yourself as a victim. And if he, the descendant of slaves raised in the heart of the Confederacy, can overcome and get to the United States Senate, you can overcome as well. And Barack Obama wants to lecture him about race and racism in America. Here's Tim Scott. Mark, he missed a softball moving at slow speed with a big bat. You can't miss this opportunity. America was hungry for bringing our country together. This coalition building where we could see black kids and white kids, red ones and brown ones, as MLK spoke about, joining hands and singing with new meaning, my country tis of thee. President Obama missed that opportunity. President Biden ran as the great uniter, and he has been the great divider. I've heard more negative things about people under his leadership than I have in a long time. And I will tell you, the one thing the far left does not want a black person to be in this country is a conservative. Conservatism works because we are willing to conserve the values of our founding fathers. They weren't perfect. I know that as well as anybody. But they were to be celebrated because of the success that built the nation that stands above the rest. If we had that kind of optimistic, positive, yet conservative leadership, we would be winning general elections from sea to Shining sea. That's Tim Scott. He was talking to my buddy Mark Levin. This is a little more Tim Scott on TV, on Fox, talking about being called out by Obama. There's no higher compliment to be attacked by President Obama. When they, whenever the Democrats feel threatened, they, they pull out, drag out the former president and have him make some negative comments about someone running, hoping that their numbers go down. Here is what people need to know. The truth of my life disproves the lies of the radical left. You talk about addressing the issue of poverty. My Opportunity Zones have seen more than $50 billion go into the poorest, hardest hit communities in this country. The majority of them are minority. Think about the HBCU funding that in his administration, he totally missed it. We took the funding for HBCUs to the highest level in the history of the country. And then Shannon, we made it permanent. And the radical left and the teachers unions refuse to allow quality education in big blue cities. I support school choice because I support common sense. The radical left and President Obama, they have failed, they have failed, and they have failed. We will make it happen. 
That's Tim Scott. Now, uh, CNN doesn't know what to do with this. CNN has uh, LZ Granderson, who's a uh, African-American, black, gay sports writer. He was married, had a kid, decided he was gay. Uh, he writes about race issues. He tries to bring race and politics into sports at ESPN. He's obsessed with race issues, really not happy with Tim Scott. Um, let's talk about uh, Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. So there were comments that former President Obama made with David Axelrod on his podcast, his most recent podcast, about <clears throat> how the Republican Party deals with race and deals with the conversation about race and, frankly, the history of this country. And they really pushed back, both Nick, both Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. And I think we have some of that. We have a tweet from Nikki Haley saying that, um, tweeting in part, Obama set minorities back by singling them out as victims instead of empowering them. Tim Scott arguing Obama missed an opportunity here to unite the country as America's first black president. This was very strong pushback on this idea that there needs to be a, a a real conversation, right? Which is really what the former president was getting at, and he has yet to see it. Right. Does um, that work? No, because the proof is in the pudding, right? Like, Tim Scott, right? Like, it, it took 100 years from Reconstruction to his election to get an African-American Republican from the South represented in the Senate. That's not by accident. That's by design. And for him to not acknowledge that design as part of his story is really unfortunate. And what's even more unfortunate, when you look at that quote from that tweet from uh, Governor Haley, um, Ambassador Haley, the word, the pronoun them, mm -hmm. distancing herself from minorities, despite being a racial minority herself, reveals a lot more about her understanding of how she uh, factors into race in this country, more so than Obama's impact on minorities or how minorities view themselves in now, general. She was specifically talking about, as was Obama, black Americans, which she is not. And now this guy's going to attack her. But when he says it took 100 years, that's by design. It took 100 years and Tim Scott got there. That's progress. That's progress. Just, you know, listen, this is also one of CNN's anchors uh, talking. Um, I forget the guy's name, uh, Blackwell. I forget his first name. Listen to this. Which is the reason why uh, their comments are so disappointing, because I think there is a hunger to get past this two-party system. But you're really putting a lot of people in it, Ooh. you know, minorities, queer people, uh, people who believe in reproductive rights. <laughs> you're really putting them in a box because not having a healthy conversation really makes it this or that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Americans want that. That's the reason why so yeah. many people identify yeah. as independents. You know, we don't want that. You're saying, I mean, two-thirds two of black and Hispanic kids attend schools where a majority of their classmates live in poverty. Like, are you fundamentally saying that that is because all of their parents didn't try hard enough? Like, is that the argument? Like, if you're saying that there is not systemic inequity argument. in society? So at some level, just the argument is just, it, it, it can't sustain the lived reality of modern American life. That, by the way, that's a CNN anchor, not a pundit, saying that, you know what, Tim Scott wants to allow these children out of public schools, and it's these people who are forcing them to stay in them. They don't want the conversation with Tim Scott. They want to scream about injustice and equality 
inequality in America, and they do not want you to look at the lived experience of a black man, descendant of slaves, who lives in the heart of the Confederacy, who was elevated by the city where then the first shots of the Civil War were fired to the United States House and then to the United States Senate as a Republican. Instead, they want the guy who traveled the world as a child and went to a private school in Hawaii to speak for black Americans, not the actual black guy from the South who really experienced injustice and discrimination, but came away with it without a chip on his shoulder. It's always the axe grinders the left wants you to listen to. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Now, I mentioned at the start of the show, we have a new affiliate coming on board today, Big Station, Hartford, Connecticut, WTIC. It was started by Traveler's Insurance Company back in the day. That's why it's WTIC. I wonder if they know that listening. But anyway, I want to welcome you aboard, and you're wondering, who is this guy? I'll tell you. I was a lawyer. I was a miserable lawyer. I never wanted to be a lawyer. But I was working for a senator, for a congressman at the time who was running for the Senate, and he said, uh, the JD, the law degree, is like the MBA for politics. I wanted to go to Washington and be in politics. And then I married a nice young lady who decided she did not want to move to the big city. So I became a lawyer in uh, where I lived instead and fell into radio completely by accident. The local radio show host got arrested in a crack house. I'm not making that up. They needed someone to fill in for him for a day, which became three days. He lost his job. They kept me coming back in the mornings, and I'm not a morning person, but I did it for three months. I got paid by uh, Cumulus in an expired gift certificate to Outback Steakhouse. And the only reason I know it was expired is because I took my wife to dinner and wound up having to buy. But along the way, someone you might know, Herman Cain, was running for president of the United States, and his radio station needed a new host, and the head of the radio company was driving through middle Georgia, heard me on the radio, thought it was my show, offered me Herman's job, and I didn't tell them I wasn't a radio guy until after I signed the contract. And I've been there ever since. This is now the longest job I've ever held in my life. I have a face for radio. I have a voice for print. And yet here I am. So thank you for tuning in and, and thank you, WTIC, for taking the show. Uh look forward to getting up there at some point. I don't think I've ever been to Connecticut. You know, we've got WICC in Bridgeport. We've got uh, WTIC now in Hartford. I've got to go to Connecticut. I just I'm going to have to go to Connecticut now. I've got good friends up there, but haven't been. So I will come up and I will see you all uh, at some point. I'll get up there, hang out with my buddy Dave. Now, I got to tell you about Americans for Prosperity because around the country, including in places like Connecticut, Americans for Prosperity is growing an army of activists to knock on doors, talk to state legislators, talk to local governments, talk to members of Congress, and advocate for small government and try to, where possible, find common ground with people on the opposite side of the aisle for common sense reforms. Americans for Prosperity wants to teach you to be a better activist. They want to teach you how to advocate even to Democrats why limited government makes sense because free people in free markets need government out of the way. So you can go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. You can sign up to be an activist. You can join one of their state organizations. If they don't have a state organization in your state, you might be able to help them start one. They want to spread through all 50 states. They've got over 32 chapters right now. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. 
Go check them out. Hello, America. Across the Fruited Plain, I hope you're doing well. The phone number is 877-973-7425. At the top of the hour, Vivek Ramaswamy will be joining me, the presidential candidate. Uh, He will be joining me by phone at the top of the hour. The goal is to interview all the candidates in the run-up to the um, gathering. I I, want to – I I well, yes, I need to play you this audio. This is Wes Moore. He is the new governor of Maryland. He, this is an interview with him, and he's talking about conservatives who are uh, – they object to pornographic books in libraries. And you need to understand this. I know some of you think conservatives just want to ban books because that's what you're being told. And while you think of yourself as an independent thinker, you buy the talking points. The reality is the books that conservatives are objecting to are not books to be banned, but books to be put outside of elementary school libraries, put them in the high school library or something. These are really explicit books people are finding in elementary school libraries, including explicit pictures showing sexual acts. And they don't tell you that on television. Like CNN won't show you pictures of the books. They can't because they'd get in trouble. That's the, that's the funny rule here, the, the funny way this works. They tell you conservatives want to ban books. They don't show you the pictures of the books conservatives are banning, and they're not even banning them. They're just getting them out of elementary schools, and you can't show them on television. Parents get censored in meetings of local school boards if they try to read from the books. But this is Wes Moore, the governor of Maryland, talking about this issue. Why do you think this has become a passion project of some conservatives? I continue hearing people making the argument that we're doing it because we want to prevent our students from having discomfort or guilt, because we don't want our students to be able to really wrestle with these really difficult things in times when they're maturing as individuals and difficult historical points. But the thing I realize, and I wanted to speak out about it, is that's actually not true. It's, it's, it's a guise. It's not about making kids uncomfortable. It's not saying. about making kids feel uncomfortable. It's about telling other kids that they shouldn't understand their own power. It's castrating them. It's castrating them. You got that? So the parents who are concerned about this rush to castrate children are the ones who are doing it by depriving kindergartners of pornography in the libraries. This is really demented, screwed-up stuff that's being pushed by these people. This is the monkeypox advisor for Joe Biden on CNN. Listen carefully to this. I I work in HIV normally, and I'll tell you that, you know, I I always say that I've never made an HIV diagnosis in someone that hasn't somehow related to stigma. I think MPOX is the same. So really, um, uh, stigma tends to be a barrier to testing, a barrier to vaccination. And so, you know, really addressing stigma intentionally and making sure that we get the word out in a way that supports people's joy as opposed to, you know, calling them risky. So I think, you know, one of the things to think about is that, you know, one person's idea of risk is another person's idea of a great festival or Friday night, for that matter. So we have to sort of embrace that with joy and make sure that folks know how to keep themselves safe. I I, I don't want to 
be vulgar here, but you know he's talking about orgies and casual group sex. I, I'm I'm sorry to be blunt with you, but one person's idea of a risky behavior on a Friday night is another person's idea of joy. He's talking about casual sexual encounters at festivals and the like where monkeypox has spread, which they now call impox because they want to destigmatize it. How do you think that dog got monkeypox? Hmm. Hmm. This is an administration that wanted your children and still wants children in masks. Listen again to the audio the other day of Jerry Nadler, the congressman from what is New York. Listen to Jerry Nadler, the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee. It protects against transmission of the disease to the next person. And the healthcare worker certainly ought to be required to be vaccinated. And when we have a pandemic like COVID-19 pandemic that we had, two-year-olds should have been required to wear masks. It would be child abuse for parents not to do that because there was no vaccination available for two-year-olds. You got that? Children need to wear masks. Two-year-olds need to wear masks. You should not be allowed to see your grandparents in the hospital or you shouldn't during COVID. They wanted you to up in your life. They wanted you to stay home. They wanted you to lock down. They wanted you to lose your job if you did not get a vaccine you may or may not have wanted. And I say this is someone who has advocated for the vaccine. But didn't think you need to lose your job. It was your choice. I hoped you'd get it. But it's your choice. And these people cannot bring themselves to say, don't have gay orgies. They can't bring themselves to say that. They can't bring themselves to say, don't have random anonymous group sex. They can't bring themselves to say non-monogamous sexual relations are bad for your health. They can't bring themselves to say that, that your risk is someone else's joy and we should not stigmatize someone's joy. Do you know most people's joy was hanging out with their grandparents and they couldn't do it because of the same damn people? You couldn't hang out with your grandparents. Your children couldn't go to school. They fell behind. They regressed. They developed speech impediments and learning learning regression because of what these same people did who can't tell gay men that it's not good to go out and have casual, anonymous, random sex on a Friday night. But if that's your joy, I don't want to stigmatize that. But I'll stigmatize you if you don't wear a mask and get a vaccine. There's something just really demented about all of this. Some might use the word evil. They can't tell one segment of society not to engage in behavior likely to spread disease because that segment of society funds the Democratic Party. That's right. 
progressive left activists, including uh, the, the the gay rights movement, are the major donors of the Democratic Party. You can't tell people don't go have an orgy on Friday night when it's the human rights campaign that's funding the Democratic Party. And, and they're the biggest advocates of, of gay rights in the country and now trans rights in the country. You can't do that. Meanwhile, on the Republican side, you got Ron DeSantis having a little bit of fun at a bar in Nevada. Couldn't hear that's DeSantis saying, just so you know, I'll serve you anything but Bud Light. Man, the the, the hits keep coming for, for Anheuser-Busch on that. I This this whole thing on the left, though, it, it is a genuinely demented situation. And the, the, the rise on the left of intolerance towards normal behavior and the embrace of deviant behavior. A pro-child journalist was removed from a kid-friendly drag show in Alamo, Texas, in Texas for Pete's sakes, after being accused of filming a drag performer flashing his genitals at the crowd of children. On February 19th, Taylor Kramer, a journalist attended a drag show fundraiser at the Landmark on Tower in Alamo, Texas. The fundraiser was organized by the South Texas Equality Project and was billed as an event to fundraise for LGBTQ plus youth scholarships. The listing explicitly stated the event was open to everyone of all ages and featured a series of adult drag performers. In Kramer's footage, several very young children appear at the event and flank the drag runway with their parents. The children were encouraged to give the drag performers cash tips, which the performers take directly from them. Some of the performers were dressed in lingerie-style outfits and writhe around with their legs spread on or bottom showing while children were in close proximity. Throughout the video, which was uploaded to Rumble, Kramer remains silent and does not directly interact with the children or performers, but after filming some disturbing incidents that occur through the course of the evening, the show organizers sought to have Kramer removed. An Alamo police officer was at the event in uniform and approached by the organizers, asked him to get Kramer to leave despite being off duty, even though in uniform. Um... So they didn't want documented what was happening. What? Why? Why were they scared of it? Were they ashamed of it? No, they weren't ashamed of it. They just didn't want you to know about it. What a weird, wild world we live in now. By the way, you should know uh, the Europeans are turning back on this now. This is not an op-ed piece. This is an actual news story. From the Wall Street Journal, the United States is becoming an outlier among Western nations in the way its national medical institutes treat children suffering from gender identity. For years, the American healthcare industry has staunchly defended medical interventions for transgender minors, including puberty blockers, which suppress the physical changes of adolescence as a treatment. The European medical community, by contrast, is expressing doubts about the approach. Having allowed these treatments for years, five countries, the U.K., Sweden, Finland, Norway, and France, now urge caution due to a lack of evidence that the benefits outweigh the risks. 
These countries have done system, systematic reviews of evidence, says Lior Sapir, a fellow who studies transgender care at the Manhattan Institute. They found that the studies cited to support medical interventions are unreliable and the risks are serious. Europe is moving away from the madness. The United States is embracing it, and the Biden administration can tell you to stay away from your grandparents and keep your kids out of school, but don't tell anyone they can't have risky sexual behavior on a Friday night lest we stigmatize their behavior. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, I guess we need to say, my goodness gracious, uh, that the the double standards of the woke left and this administration ripe for the pickings. If the GOP can just pick a candidate, the independents will find acceptable. And I'm not holding my breath on that one. We'll see. Right now, listen, those of you listening uh, on our new affiliate in Connecticut, I want to introduce you to a company called Vision Computer. Vision Computer, wherever you are nationwide, Connecticut, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Georgia, Florida, Vision can build your computers for your home or your office. You tell them what you need for your home or your office. They not only build them, but they're your tech support center as well. So if you call them, they actually answer the phone. It's what they're known for. They answer their phone. They provide great tech support. In many cases, they can remote in over the Internet and fix your computer email, what have you. They can help your employees get their printer set up. You name it so you don't have to have an IT department. Vision can do it. If you don't have Vision computers for a low annual fee, they can become your IT department. Just servicing your computers, helping your employees, whatever. Whatever you need, Vision Computers, let them handle it. If you call them at 404-COMPUTE, ask about the Eric Erickson Special. They'll cut you a great deal. You can also go to visioncomputers.com, visioncomputers.com. Check them out, but call them. You really want to see how quick they answer the phone. They're amazing. 404-COMPUTE, let them build your PCs for your home or your office. Let them be your tech support. Let them help you sleep well at night knowing you've got Vision Computers on your side if something goes wrong with your tech. visioncomputers.com or 404-COMPUTE. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan nationwide, wherever you are, if your business needs access to capital to grow, you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, expanding a franchise, buying out business partners, you name it, let First Liberty help you. They make their own lending decisions. They're headquartered in Georgia, but they help businesses in all 50 states. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website, FirstLibertyGA.com. Specifically, $250,000 deals and more, nothing less than that. But anything over that, reach out to him, firstlibertyga.com. I want to read to you this headline from the Associated Press. Trump and other Republicans conjure a familiar enemy in attacking Democrats as communists. That's right. Um, Marxists and communists. Y'all, have y'all seen the little Antifa kids running around out there? that the Republicans are, are complaining about, that the Democrats work with, they're Marxists and communists. They literally are. Bernie Sanders is a socialist who honeymooned in the Soviet Union. They go, oh, Republicans are maligning them as communists and Marxists. No, they actually are. They may not call themselves that, but, I mean, you got a bunch of Democratic men who call themselves women these days. They sometimes don't call themselves what they actually are. They're communists and Marxists. You know, so for those of you nationwide, you know I am in Atlanta, and they're building this police training facility. This has been huge national news. Got a bunch of kids from New England and the the, um, northwest coast, upper northwest, who have come to Atlanta to protest building a police training facility. Now, the black residents of Atlanta support the police training facility. The white kids from the 
upper Northwest and New England do not like it. And those white kids showed up at an Atlanta City Council meeting to demand they not fund the police training facility. The local black residents showed up and said fund it. The city of Atlanta voted to fund it. The white kids from out of town screamed, this is not a democracy. This is not a democracy. We're going to burn your city down. And advocated violence against the local community that wants the police training facility. It, it, it is a story that were it, were it white people agitating for Donald Trump, the media would be all over the story. There would be daily updates. There would be embedded correspondence in the war zone of Atlanta, Georgia. If these were white kids taking on the cause of Donald Trump, if they were protesting the DA at Fulton County and the possible indictment of Trump, the media would be all over it. But these are out-of-town white kids with privileged upbringings who are firebombing parts of Atlanta. And I'm not making that up. They firebombed a youth facility. They have showed up in churches in the middle of church service and disrupted the churches. They firebombed office facilities. They have targeted for harassment the wives and children of the construction workers, and the national media has hardly said a word. And when they talk about it, they talk about them as protesters, not Antifa terrorists. And then when you point out they're Antifa, all the Antifa kids on social media are like, Antifa, what's that? We don't know what Antifa is. The Biden administration says it's not even real. I personally think the police should just go in and start building the police training facility and, and when they get in the way, take them out. They've already shot and tried to kill a police officer. And then the guy who fired on the police officer got shot and killed and they tried to burn down the city over that. Should show no mercy to these little out-of-towners, privileged white kids who have come in with nothing to do on mommy and daddy's dime to obstruct the training of police. And nationally, you and I both know this would be a massive story. And these kids, they consider themselves communists and Marxists. And these are the people Republicans rail against. And the Associated Press is like, I can't believe Republicans are calling them communists and Marxists. It's so derogatory. Well, you can't call them Antifa. What do you call them? Privileged white kids from out of town? Doesn't make much sense unless you know the story. Call them communists and Marxists. Everybody knows exactly what you mean, and they actually are. And their policies and philosophies are too, whether they call themselves that or not. When we come back, speaking of communists, we got to talk about China.